Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Luke, the 19th chapter, verses 41 through 48. Jesus has just entered Jerusalem triumphantly. He came from the Mount of Olives on a donkey, and the people recognize that it is time that he is the Messiah. He is the king to come. And so there's excitement and jubilation. But this week will end horribly. What begins on Sunday with a triumphal entry will end with Jesus being crucified on Friday. He will be in the tomb for one day, and the very next Sunday he will be raised from the dead and vindicated and proved to be that true king of David they have been waiting for. But today we come to an ominous turn in Luke's gospel. Let's turn and read now Luke chapter 19, 41 through 48. I will be reading from the English Standard Version. When he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up barricades around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him, but they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were hanging on all his words. So ominous things. And Jesus looks at Jerusalem, and he speaks to the city, he personifies the city, and says, I really wish you would see the things that make for peace. Earlier in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 13, he had warned them. He says, you need to repent. Verily, you need to repent. Likewise, you need to repent. And back in chapter 13, he was speaking of this course of rebellion that they were taking that was going to lead to destruction. Now, this probably happened in 30 A.D. when Jesus said these things. On Passover, 40 years later, exactly 40 years, almost to the day, the Romans will destroy the city of Jerusalem and they will destroy the Jerusalem temple. So what Jesus is talking about, he's looking forward. This is a prophecy. You can find a lot of details in Matthew 24 where he prophesies the destruction of Jerusalem. The Jews in 66 A.D., they will rebel against the Romans. They will have some success early in this rebellion, but eventually the Romans will destroy them. Vespasian would come with the legions and attack Israel. Vespasian will have to go back home. He'll be named emperor, but his son Titus will finish the job. It is so bad. The destruction is so bad. Josephus says that one million Jews were killed on the siege of Jerusalem. Now, some would kind of balk at that. That's a lot of people, a million people being killed in the ancient world. Think about the population of the world was so much smaller back then. But we do know a lot of people were killed. One scholar estimates up to half a million were killed. Some thinks that Josephus was using some hyperbole. Now, if you don't remember, Josephus is a Jewish historian. He has a really interesting story. You know, Josephus begins as part of the rebellion. He's a captain in the Israeli army who is fighting against the Romans He is captured and somehow convinces them that they need to save his life and spare his life. 
he makes a prophecy that Vespasian would become emperor, which would not be too far of a stretch to make of that kind of prediction. Then he writes a history of the Jewish wars. He sees it firsthand. So one thing that happened that was just horrible in the siege of Jerusalem, it was around Passover, three days before Passover, when the Romans got there and surrounded the city and hemmed it in. So the city had, really its population had swollen uh, to a lot of people. You had people from Syria and Egypt and all over for the Feast of Passover, and unknowingly they get caught in the city in this siege. The Romans surround the city with their legions and their armies. They build siege works against the walls of Jerusalem. And when people would try to escape, they would crucify them. So the countryside was filled with crosses where they were crucifying people that tried to escape. And what made it even more horrible is they were crucifying even women. So this is a horrific scene. The people were starving. They had turned to cannibalism inside the city. This is a horrible time in the history of the Jewish people. And Jesus is saying, you're on a collision course with something that's going to be terrible. You need to turn back. You need to make peace. This is not the way to go. This rebellious streak in you is not going to turn out well for you. So Jesus predicts what's going to happen on the siege of Jerusalem and gives us vivid details. If you go to Matthew's gospel, it's really fascinating. There are vivid details about how this is going to happen. So realize the clock is ticking. And Jesus talks about the day of their visitation. Now, the day of visitation would be this concept of God coming to Jerusalem, God coming to judge his people, and he comes and he finds them wanting. Now, what's interesting with the episode when Jesus goes into the temple, if you remember back a while back in Jewish history, around 587 BC, they were sent into Babylonian captivity. The temple, the first temple of Solomon, was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians. So they go into captivity, and right before the first temple is destroyed, Ezekiel has this vision of God's glory, his Shekinah glory, leaving the temple and traveling. And we see later in Ezekiel, or early in Ezekiel, that the glory of God actually travels with them to Babylon. But one thing we never see is the glory of God returning back to the temple, the presence of God coming back. You see, when they return home from Babylonian captivity, they rebuild the temple. And the second temple that's rebuilt during the the time of the return from exile, we never see a time when the glory of God returns to the temple. And now in the ministry of Jesus, God has returned to the temple. The glory of God has come in the person of Jesus. And instead of filling the Holy of Holies, he comes to judge the temple. Because what they've done is they've turned religion into this way to make money. They had filled the temple courts, the court of the Gentiles, where Gentiles were to come in to pray from all the nations. They had turned it into a bazaar, a place to buy and sell animals. And maybe you've been to some of these theme parks before. When you go into a park and you're stuck there, say Disney World, you almost have to mortgage your house to buy a drink. Everything there is so much more expensive. So what the priests were doing, they had this little racket going on where you would bring a sacrificial animal to the temple to sacrifice. And some people would have these animals that they would tend to and take care of, and they would grow and mature and bring it to the temple as their gift to God. And the priests would look at these animals and they would reject them and say, okay, this animal is unacceptable. You have to go out and buy another animal. And so here you are at the temple. You'd have to go and purchase an animal there in the courts, and the price would be marked up. So people were being taken advantage of. 
So you've got two things going on, you know, ill-gotten gain from religion. And then they've turned this place that's supposed to be a place of prayer and welcoming to the to the Gentiles and turned it into a loud and raucous place. And Jesus is not pleased. And this just reveals a heart problem that was there all along. And Jesus cleanses the temple and he casts judgment upon it. So the clock is ticking at this point. In 40 years, that very temple will be destroyed. And literally not one stone will be left upon another. The only thing left from this temple today in Jerusalem is the Wailing Wall. If you go to Jerusalem, you'll see that retaining wall. That's all that's left. An Islamic mosque sits on top of where the temple once stood. The Dome of the Rock is there today. That's where Solomon's, or where this temple, the second temple, would have stood, and Solomon's temple. So a tragic story. So as we look back on this, we think, okay, what do we have to learn from this? Well, the Bible is filled with judgments and admonitions that we need to listen to. Some scholars like Scott Hahn, he's a pretty sharp guy, says that the destruction of the temple points ahead to the destruction of the world. The temple was a microcosm of the world, so it's pointing ahead to God's final judgment, that God will hold people accountable. And judgment is a good thing. Judgment is not bad. We as Americans have lived charmed lives, and so judgment to us seems foreign and strange. But places where people have dealt with horrible injustice, and they've been taken advantage of, and they've been oppressed, they're okay with God's righteous judgment. As Miroslav Volf says, the only way to stop the endless cycle of human reciprocity and revenge is a divine judgment. So God will return. God will set things right. And Jesus does say some things that are hard sometimes. The difficult sayings of Jesus, the more negative comments of Jesus, we need to look at those and not turn them turn away from them. Sometimes we turn Jesus into this really soft figure. But Jesus says some things that are hard for these people to hear to the point they want to kill him because of what he's had to say. So let's remember that God's judgment is a good thing. That God knows everything perfectly and we don't. We can't judge properly. And we're not to seek revenge, but there's one that will bring righteous judgment to this world and will set all things right, heal every wound, and set every wrong thing right. Well, I hope you have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another week of podcast, and we'll be back next week with Psalm 9. That's how we'll kick off next week, and we'll have another set of readings, and I hope you're growing in your faith as you walk along through Scripture with us. Thank you. Thank you.